Welcome to the Arts Entrepreneurship Podcast, making art work. We highlight how entrepreneurs align their artistry, passion, and vision to create and pursue opportunities to capture value in the arts. The views expressed by guests on the Arts Entrepreneurship Podcast are solely their own and do not necessarily represent the views of the podcast or its hosts. The appearance of a guest on the podcast, the venture they represent, or reference to any product or service does not imply an endorsement or recommendation by the podcast or its hosts. The content provided is for entertainment and informational purposes only and does not constitute business advice. Here are your hosts, Andy Heiss and Nick Petrella. Hi, podcast listeners. My name is Andy Heiss. And I'm Nick Petrella. Tom Gober joins us today. He's the owner of Gracie Lane, a four-store fashion and accessories retail chain in northeastern Ohio, and recently launched a jewelry brand that focuses on sterling silver rings. Tom has an interesting story because he didn't start out on a typical path to become an arts entrepreneur. He studied chemical engineering and worked in that industry for many years before leaving corporate America to open his first store. Tom, thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Prior to the pandemic, you had six stores, but paired back to four. What attracts you to certain locations over others? And are you willing to share any unexpected setbacks you had while growing the company that would be educational for our listeners who want to open their own retail stores? It's, um, it's, I, it's all about location. And I've, I've learned quite a bit. You know, one, one is, you know, going into a brand new center. If you're a small business, I would not recommend. Um, because when you're an independent people, you know, unless people are aware of your brand, they're not necessarily going to come to your store and new shopping centers don't necessarily have a traffic pattern. You know, it takes a few years to build a traffic pattern is what I'm learning. Um, and I've always gone into to spaces that have had um, a good traffic flow. Um, it's, you know, I can, uh, you know, go into somewhere where there's not a lot of traffic, but I'm going to spend a great deal on advertising or, you know, I could pay a higher rent where there is a lot of, you know, foot traffic. So I've chosen the route where I'm going where the foot traffic is. And then I use less advertising dollars. Yeah. So it just kind of depends on what you want to do. If if you're really good at advertising and feel you can have some events and draw people out to your location, fantastic. You can go for the less expensive rent. Or, you know, if you want to make it easier on yourself, you know, go where the traffic already is. That makes sense. Yeah. And so we've talked a little bit about um, sort of customer relationships, bringing in new customers, retaining existing customers, and maybe even getting them to come back and buy more from you. Um, do you have, do you have programs or do you, uh, you know, strategically think about that, uh, getting new customers, keeping them and getting them to buy more from you? I mean, we talk about this all the time internally okay. um, and we watch it's, you know, it's kind of how the trends are going too. you know, when I talk about this work at home and, 
you know, more, you know, there's kind of a boost in, you know, people coming out and doing shopping again um, because they desire that human contact. So it's, uh, but also another thing that we're doing is I've always donated to local, local charities and fundraisers and things like that. But I've also, I've not been very vocal about it. People come in for a donation, you know, if it's something that we support, you know, we make a donation to them, but I've been always kind of low key about it. Mm -hmm. But nowadays people want to make sure that you support their community. Um, So we kind of started an initiative called Gracie's Gracie gives back. Hmm. And, you know, we're making sure we're a little bit more vocal about what we're doing in the community. And it's been fantastic um, for our visibility, as well as for my employees, too, especially the, uh, the young ladies that work for us. They've really embraced it and yeah. they've become better employees because of it. Hmm. Um, you know, they, it engages them more in the business. And it's also taught them quite a bit of you know, a lot of people don't have what they have, you know, whether, you know, we did some things where we did some, um, um, with school supplies, you know, Mm -hmm. for some, you know, and it opened a couple young ladies' eyes. It's like, like these kids can't even afford a notebook. And it's just, you know, I don't want to say they don't have a sense of entitlement, but they, they're just unaware awareness. They're just unaware. Yeah. So it's, it's been a fantastic initiative internally and, you know, it, it's just kind of fun to get a little bit more involved in the community than we've been in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's bringing awareness. And I think that helps to bring in new customers. Um, you know, some of the product lines where, you know, that we procure and bring into the store, a lot of times, you know, people seek those out and that'll bring customers into the store and make them aware of everything else that we carry um, you know, we're always trying to bring some new things in, whether it's a line that we carry for a long time, or mm-hmm. maybe it's just something fun that, you know, we have for a few months or for the holidays and it excites our current customers, you know, because they're always looking for something a little bit different. Uh, oh, sure. So they stop in. So it keeps our good customers coming back. Yeah. Well, maybe when we're done, Andy, you can pitch Tom about your line of base scarves. I think. Oh that, yeah. That'd be great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> scarves for there. Nick means scarves for bases. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you can. <laughs> well, I actually meant scarves with bases on them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so let's circle back <laughs> and talk about customer service because that that's important for for any business. And you touched upon it a bit. I'm wondering how you approach training new and existing employees on customer service and what you focus on. You know, I. I well, first of all, we we make sure people understand that the the product lines that we carry that they understand, you know, a little bit about the history of the brands that we carry, and they have some knowledge about them. You know, we typically have great sales reps that will come in and do training for us and teach people about the brands. And we have a employee engagement program where we try, you know, whether we get them a piece of jewelry, we get them a handbag to carry, we give them a candle to burn or something like that. Um, so we engage our employees in our products that we carry. So they have some knowledgeable about them. Um, um, 
And so that's, you know, training the employees on the products is, is number one. And then when we hire them, we make sure also they're, they're, they're a little bit outgoing, mm-hmm. you know, and, and can talk to customers. Um, you know, we have a wide range of age of employees because we also have a wide range of age in our customers. So, you know, some of our younger customers might not be able to relate to some of our older employee or older customers, so to speak. You know, they'll come in and they'll talk about, you know, we might have an 18-year-old young lady that works for us. Um, you know, and then we have a 50-year-old woman that comes in and she wants to talk about maybe her grandkids or, you know, her husband, or we get all kinds of conversations and, (laughs) you know, so they can't necessarily relate as much. So, you know, we, we try and have a wide range of employees so we can relate to all of our customers. Um, But we just try and teach them, you know, to, you know, what kind of questions they ask the customers, you know, open-ended questions. um, And, to get a conversation to elicit more response. Yeah. Just, you know, and just, you know, where you buying a bag for vacation, where are you going? And it's just, you know, it, it starts a whole conversation. It doesn't, it doesn't take much to get a customer to talk, but it's just kind of asking a few um, key questions. And, but it's also having knowledge of if a customer just wants to come in and shop around by themselves too, you know, Make make sure you're aware of like the signs that they give. Yeah, mm-hmm. if they don't, so, if they want help or if they don't want to be smothered. Yeah, if they just want to. Wanna, you know, some people might not want to be bothered. They're just they just want to come in and look around. Yeah. So look for the signs. Um, you know, and I have a regional manager that that kind of coordinates most of that training for me. Yeah. So you know, I mean, she does a fantastic job. She used to at one time manage a Disney store. So. Mm. She kind of learned from the best. Yeah. yeah. In terms of administrative tasks that are required for operating and uh, running your retail stores, like bookkeeping and accounting, do you outsource those or do you do those yourself? Um, the day-to-day ones, we do them internally. Um, I have a right-hand man that kind of handles all the, he's a man of many talents. Um, he handles all the accounting, the bookkeeping, uh, payroll, um, as well as the IT stuff. Uh, and he does a fantastic job. We outsource like our taxes at the end of the year and they do the, you know, making sure everything reconciles or whatever. But yeah. uh, on a daily basis, we keep track of it. Um, you know, but he also has the skills to be able to do that. So yeah. um, there are companies out there that you can outsource it to. And I, I get approached on a regular basis. We have tried to outsource payroll um in the past and it's been years ago but we had some issues and where there were some errors made and the time it took to correct the errors and or to monitor them we just might as well have done it ourselves and that's what we chose to do now there it could be different today where there's a lot more controls in place but um we've got it down pat and you don't want to mess with people's paychecks. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, we just make sure everybody gets paid on time and the right amount. Yeah. yeah. So this person is on your payroll or does he, is he kind of a contractor? No, he's on my payroll. Okay, He's, gotcha. he's worked he's, for me for okay. 10 years or so. 
Gotcha. Oh, that's great. Too. Yeah. So he, he understands yeah. the whole, the whole business and has a lot of context for that. Um, I'm, I'm always interested in sales tax. I always ask sales tax questions. I guess it's not, it's not overly complicated with, with brick and mortar stores, but, um, sales tax, uh, issues or complications, uh, that you've experienced maybe. No, it's, it's, it's relatively easy. Yeah. I mean, in Ohio, we have, you know, there's some challenging things in Ohio. We have, you know, a sales tax weekend coming up in August. Sure. Um, you know, for, to help cut some costs for back to school. Right. So we have to go through and kind of program, make some program changes to our uh, point of sale system to make sure yeah. that we don't charge sales tax on certain items and that we're following the, the, the regulations. Right. We don't have a ton of products right. that fall into those categories, but that becomes a little bit of a hassle. Yeah. Um, but on a regular basis, uh, TJ, my right hand man, kind of has a pretty down pat, and yeah, you know, I haven't yeah. gotten a call from the, the Ohio, the state of Ohio, that you know we haven't paid <laughs> our sales tax. So yeah. I, I think we're doing pretty good. Well, I think this what Ohio has city tax. Some cities have their own city tax, correct? There's some different county taxes. Yeah, so I think it goes by county that you know each one it might be a like a different. quarter of a percent difference. Yeah. You know, and it's programmed in our POS system is how yeah. we kind of manage it. And what do you use for your POS, if I can ask? We use something called Retail Edge. Okay. And, you know, just my recommendation when you're looking for a POS system to make sure you have the ability to use multiple credit card processors. Mm. You're not locked into one credit card processor. Because that gives you leverage to um, negotiate your credit card processing rates. Yeah, and because credit card processing could be big bucks. Yeah, sure. So you want to have some leverage that, yeah. you know, somebody's not giving you a great rate. You can go to somebody else that will still, that is still compatible with your POS system. Yeah. Well, and this, the scalability thing too, I, I mean, I don't know what you've used historically, but I, obviously this one allows you to have multiple locations, which may not be something that someone who's just starting out is thinking about yet. However, right. um, yeah, for scale, yeah, you yeah. never know. And I, I mean, when I went into this, I didn't plan on multiple locations, but, right. you know, but I think yeah, I, I would guess most POS systems do have the ability to connect to connect the multiple locations. Yeah. Something that I don't think has come up in any of our interviews so far is theft. You have a lot of small items, such as rings, earrings, and and so on. What measures do you have in place for loss prevention? You know, it, it depends on the product. I mean, that's theft is a, a big issue out there, and people are bold. Um, these thieves are bold. Um, you know, the rings that we sell, it's on a we have a specific fixture, and the rings are wired down. You know, they're on a, a retractable cord, a mm -hmm. metal cord. So people can't just walk in and pull them up and or put them on and walk out the store. They're going to take the whole fixture with them. You know, some of the items, the more valuable items, we keep in story cases. So, you know, for people to be able to purchase some, they have to work with one of our sales associates. Um, but, you know, we also have security cameras where we monitor the store and if we suspect people 
Um, the other way is we try and customer service the, the people. Um, you can kind of see some of the, the characteristics of a shoplifter. I mean, they'll come in, you know, we teach that to our young employees. You know, if somebody comes in, they're trying to hide behind stuff. You know, they, they're kind of looking over their shoulder to see if you're watching them. You know, yeah. that's, they might be up to something. So you want to customer service them, go up, talk to them, see what they're shopping, see what they have in their hands. You know, if they purchase the, you know, if they have a Vera Bradley in their hand, oh, I see you like Vera Bradley. Don't you love that pattern? You know, just making them aware that you know that they have that in their hand. Yeah. Um, but, you know, beyond that, it's it's tough. And, yeah. you know, if, if you suspect, if you have a, a high theft item, you might want to keep it under lock and key and just, you know, yeah, bring they have to work the, with those, the associate to be able to buy it. Yeah, yeah. like a high-end jewelry store. They bring it out yes. one at a time. Yeah. Yeah, one at a time. And so operationally, you're doing what monthly inventories or mm-hmm. quarterly inventories and kind of keeping track of what you're yeah, supposed we, to have, or what you think you have and what you actually actually have. We we do inventories every week. Every week. Okay. You know, we'll pick, you know, we'll pick a product, we'll pick a product line. Um and you know, on our slowest day, we'll do an inventory. Sure. And that's usually Tuesday or Wednesday. Yeah. And, you know, we just check and, you know, we run a report and then they go through and they count. Yep. And like, it's, you know, we talked earlier about, you know, keeping inventories low. It's a lot easier to count on a weekly basis. I mean, they're not, you know, it's probably taking them a couple hours in between customers to do that count. Okay. But yeah. so we're constantly doing inventories, um, you know, during our slow times of year. We certainly don't do them at the holidays, but, um, <laughs> you know, it's all customer focused. But um, yeah, we sure. do them throughout the year. And that, that's a great way to do it because you, you don't have to shut the store. I mean, there's right. there are distributors, there are manufacturers who do it. You know, they'll just block off a day and that's right. all they're going to be doing. So yeah, it would take changes. us, we would have to close the store for, you know, a week or so because we have so many product lines and it would right. take, it's time consuming. Yeah. Well, Tom, we've reached the point of the interview where we ask all of our interviewees the same three questions. And the first question is, um, what advice would you give to others wanting to become an arts entrepreneur in your space, like as a retailer, maybe? You know, first, first and foremost is to have an idea of where you want to go with your brand. You know, what I want my brand to be and where I want it to be at. And then make sure you understand pricing and wholesale pricing. Um, that's people that approach me in the past. That's the one thing where it's kind of been the kind of stop the process is because they didn't have their product priced where I would make some money. I, I know they want to make, I, I know, I understand they need to make some money. I'm not trying to undercut what they're making, but I also need to make, we both need to make money on this. Sure. So your product needs to be priced properly. Um, you know, and you also understand what you, you know, what you intend your brand to be, you know, have, you know, you might not know where, have any idea where it's going to go, but you should have some general idea of like who your customer is and who you want that customer to be. What can we do to ensure the arts are more accessible and reaching the widest possible audience? You know, I, on a, 
I work with a, a local university, Kent State University. I work with their their fashion school. I do some volunteer work and you know contribute to you know some of their events and things like that um, to make the arts more accessible. I think a lot of people's a lot of artists' first introduction to the consumers through like art shows and and, and different public events. Um, you know, where they're art shows, meaning where they're actually selling their product or there's sometimes, you know, when they're just showing their product off. Sure. Um, but, you know, teaching young people like what the opportunities are, you know, where, you know, if they have a fantastic product where it can go and, um, you know, opening people's minds to um, that this, these products are out there. And yeah. also, you know, letting, and, you know, the artist understanding there's trade shows out there that they could, you know, mm. they could go and show their product and introduce it to thousands of retailers. Yeah. You know, um, the one big show that I go to, it's uh, the Atlanta show down in Atlanta. It's twice a year, uh, but they also have them in Vegas and New York and Dallas mm-hmm. Um, and they always have a, um, a section where they, they call it the temporaries and that's for new and up, up and coming companies, hmm. um, that are, you know, just coming into the marketplace. Now, I don't know the exact cost, but I do hear it's expensive, but you know, expensive could be subjective, but it's, you know, to get your product out there, you know, you have to show it to people. And when you go to those shows, there's thousands of people walking by those booths and, you know, that's opening um, people's eyes to your product and, sh- and showing your products off. Yeah. And lastly, what's the best artistic or entrepreneurial advice you've ever received? You know, a long time ago, and this was either I was just leaving the engineering field or I had left already. Um, but I was in the automotive industry and I, there was a one older sales gentleman that I always looked up to. He always gave great advice and he told me to don't chase money, chase something you love and then money will chase you. Hmm. And I, I always remember that piece of advice that he gave me. Um, hmm. And also, you know, one of my own piece of, pieces of advice would be, you know, you know, kind of be aware of your competition, but, if you're always looking behind you, you can't move forward. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. great advice. That's great. You, you've given uh, Tom, us. Yeah. Uh, Tom, before we go, can I, can I ask, uh, who is Gracie? Gracie is our dog. Okay. So, <laughs> uh, I was trying to figure out the name of us for the store and I was working with a marketing person and this was just as the economy was, was crashing and we were sure. getting ready to go into the recession and she came the this marketing guru came up with um splurge as the name of a store and i'm like <laughs> you know the economy is pretty tough and that's telling people before they even walk into my store they probably shouldn't be spending money right and yeah. I, I was just kind of scrambling point. and at the time gracie was a little puppy and it's just like no let's just name it after her so it got named yeah. after our dog and a lot of people appreciate that. There's a lot of dog lovers out there. Well, yeah, that's right. com- another, another point of conversation, right? Yeah. 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 And it's not what you name the store. It's how you market it and how you build your brand. Sure. 
Yeah. That's great. Well, we appreciate your time, and, and it was great to hear a lot of the basics you have on, on retail and the importance of customer engagement, and really glad you came on the podcast. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for having me. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, please subscribe. Visit artsentrepreneurshippodcast.com to learn more about our guest and how you can help support artists, the arts, and this podcast. Thank you.